Okay, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahirrabbilalamin. Allahumma salli wa sallim wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Allahumma la sahla illa ma ja'altahu sahla. Wa anta tajul al-hazna idha shi'ta sahla. Allahumma a'inna ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husna ibadatik ya Rabbil Kareem. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh everybody. Hope you're all doing good insha'Allah. Why is it that I feel so cold today? Is anybody else feeling cold? Because it's not cold. It isn't. I checked on the, phone, the car thing, it said 11 and a half degrees. That's not cold. You take that every day of the week in November. Wouldn't you? That's like mild weather, right? Should be about 8 or 6 or something else, right? So 12 is 11. That's all right. But I don't know why I feel so Is that why? Come from the, from the sunny climes, yeah? Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. May we keep testing the sunny climbs. Uh, all right, folks. So, alhamdulillah. Uh, where are we starting today? Um, salams to everybody online. Auntie Shakila and the twins, the terrible twins. Salams to all the girls here locally. Good to see Yanni, my old school. MashaAllah. Good to see Marzita. Barakallahu feek. Good to see Yanni, people representing Yanni from Altrincham, from Stoke. How, how, how long was the journey from Stoke? How long? Hour? Oh, was your local, yeah? That's it. Shout out to you. All right. Let's uh, get into the text. Um, I don't know whether uh, I posted enough Mesa I, uh, from last week. But it doesn't matter. I'm going to read it anyway. We'll translate it just off the cuff because I still haven't been able to find the time yet um, to do like a, a, a full sheet of notes yeah but uh, we last week for those that uh, uh, tuned in and it's important by the way I, th I get the feeling that the most 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 of the folks that attend live um, in the masjid they don't really continue the lessons online when it's not in a masjid uh, most I mean some of you do but I think it's important you get into the habit of maintaining a connection with the dars online or the recorded uh, one. Last week we finished off the issues of the the concerning the uh, women and the prayer, and uh, going to the masjid. And I think we spent three lessons on that. I think that's enough. That's done. And I'm sure we covered it. Uh, I'll mention other things about that before as well, because it is a big subject and it is kind of you know uh, controversial, and people always want to know something about it, etc. So that's all done, and we started the new chapter on the imama. Which is the, um, how are we translating imama? What, what, what are we using for that? What's the imama? The, the what? The, the imamate is obviously what is done in academia, but what are we going to call the imama? The office of the imam? The, the, the issues of the imam? Yani, obviously, the imama means the leading of the prayer. And the matters surrounding the one who's leading the prayer. That's what we're talking about. So anyway, let's read out let's read the text in Arabic. Fasl Al Aula Bil Imama Al Akra'u Al Alimu Fika Salatihi Thummal Afqah Thummal Asan Thummal Ashraf Thummal Akdam Hijratan Thummal Atqa ثم من قرع وساكن البيت 
وإمام المسجد أحق أحق إلا من ذي سلطان وحر وحاضر ومقيم وبصير ومختون ومن له ثياب أولى من ضدهم That's the Arabic. Rough on off the cuff translation would be that the most deserving or rightful owner, if you like, of the imama, of leading the people in prayer, is the one who is akra. I translated this as the most versed, but I am now starting to reconsider whether I like that translation. Al-akra means the best of them in recitation, right? But it also means the most of them, the most of them in recitation, or the one with the most recitation. So it's a combination of the one who's best, recite, best recitation and most recitation. So the most deserving of the imama is al-akra al-alimu fiqh salatihi, who is knowledgeable about the rulings of his prayer, meaning able to deal with it, meaning yani, when the situation occurs, able to fix it, solve it, to know what the score is. ثم yeah? Then the one who's most erudite, in knowledge, the most scholarly, the most knowledgeable, if you like. Thummal Asan, then the one who is uh, eldest. Then Al Ashraf, the one who is most noble in lineage. Thummal Akdamu Hijratan, then the one who made Hijra first, who made Hijra first, who migrated first. Thummal Atqa, the one who is most pious, most righteous, most aware of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Thumma man and then we do lots. Then it's ini mini mini mo. Then it's a process of random elimination. Wasakinul bayt wa imamul masjid ahakku illa min di sultan. Despite all of that order of priority, the one who owns the house and the one who is an imam of his masjid overtakes all of the previous. Meaning that it doesn't matter if you come and you're the biggest man there is, but you don't go in front of the imam of the masjid, even if he's far less qualified than you. Likewise, when you go to someone's house, wasakinul bayt, it doesn't matter whether you're the scholar of scholars and the imam of imams, you do not put yourself forward in front of the owner of the house. That's what the point is making. They are more deserving to lead illa min the sultan other than the ruler, the sultan, the one who has overall ruler status, authority in the land. Okay? وَحُرٌ وَحَاضِرٌ وَمُقِيمٌ The free person or free man. Is that what the, what's the opposite of a slave? Free man is the English word for that. The free man. The حَاضِر here means, حَاضِر means uh, civilized. I, I'll just go with civilized. But city dweller is actually what is being uh, meant here. So the free man, the free person, the city dweller, the resident, مقيم, yeah, okay, resident, the sighted, what's the opposite of blind? What's the opposite of blind? Sighted, you sure? Sighted, one of sight, one of full vision, one of what? Anyway, whatever, وبصير, sighted, yeah. مختون, circumcised, ومن له ثياب, and those who have more worthy clothes, um, are more deserving than those opposite to them. Right? And by that, that means that uh, the uh, uh, that means that the free man leads the slave, that the city dweller leads the village guy, the pendu basically. 
the 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 muqim leads the uh, traveler the uh, basir uh, sighted one leads the blind one and the uh, uh, the circumcised leads the uncircumcised and the one who's got more clothes leads the one who's in t-shirt kind of thing you get what I'm saying? one who's got more noble proper clothes they are more deserving than those that are opposite to them Warda, as I said I haven't prepared the text so we have to read from the uh, I'm just reading from the commentary directly yeah next week inshallah I'll have it ready yeah so we're on page 200 and f- well I just read that from 205 of the commentary um, I don't know who, who thinks they know where we got to last week I'm pretty confident that I spoke about um, thingy I'm pretty confident that I spoke yeah yeah I'm pretty confident that I did um, the first two basically in summary we said that the one who should lead the prayer should be a combination of someone who is, and there's semantic differences between the scholars in which they, they prefer the one who has the best recitation versus the one who is like most memorized of the Quran. And certainly from a textual point of view, it seems like the one who is memorized the most should be the one that gets priority. However, he will not be able to take his position if he doesn't even, is not able to recite properly. There's a difference between like a person who's memorized the whole Quran doesn't mean that they can recite it properly. There's a difference, right? And likewise, when I say don't recite properly, I mean the makharij are not able to like kha, va, ta, ta, you know, that kind of thing. Then you've got a different level, which is like top quality recitation, you know, got moves and got tajweed and got X, Y, Z. And by that, we don't mean those who've got tune and rhythm. Right? We're not speaking about someone like that, someone who sounds nice. That's not what is being uh, classed here when we talk about the best qari. We're talking about the one who legally understands the, uh, the ilm of recitation and the rules of tajweed and the rules of, of the makharij as opposed to the one who's most musical or the most pleasing to the ear, which is a, not a legal definition. That's a subjective dis- definition for me and you. You know, When we say, I, I like him leading, I don't like him leading, right? Unless you're making that, 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 that statement, I like him leading and not him leading, based upon other factors, right? So anyway, um, and so the, we went back, we, and so you can review last week's obviously where we spoke about the evidences for each uh, party. Some saying that no, uh, even if the recitation is really poor, well, as long as it's got a bare minimum yani, of, a, of a quality control, but he's memorized the whole Quran, he goes first. And because Salim Mawla bi Hudayfa in the hadith that they mentioned that the Prophet ﷺ made him the Imam of uh, Masjid al-Quba because he was akthar Qur'anan, because he has the most Qur'an. This word most Qur'an comes in quite a bit in hadith, which is why the scholars are scared to go against it. They're saying, listen, this is a narration which is clearly putting an emphasis on amount and quantity, therefore Hafiz should win. And then we said, well, there are some evidences to the contrary which would indicate that not always the Hafiz gets to lead. Like Abu Bakr leading in the presence of Hufad, but then the response to that was, well, Abu Bakr was always going to lead because the Prophet ﷺ was priming him for leadership anyway. So you go back and forth, back and forth. But in the end, in the wash, basically, it all comes out that the one who is the best all round is the one who leads the prayer. Okay? Uh, and and, and uh, 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 from that point of view, we also want to say that the one who is knowledgeable is different from the one who is a scholar. Knowledgeable about his prayer. 
meaning that when a situation occurs, at least he knows how to deal with the prayer. It doesn't have to be a scholar. Thumma al-afqah means then when they're the same, they've got the same quality of recitation, they've got the same quality or same amount of quantity, then we put the scholar forward because the scholar is then in a position of respect. And I, I told you guys, I spent uh, last week, speak and the week before, that the position of imam is more than just yeah, any, uh, some legal points here and there. It's, he's our representative. He's the one that we want, we're happy to have representing us proud, confidence, you know? We, we're, uh, it's, it's, it's a political thing as well. It's a social thing as well, right? The imam shouldn't be someone that we're embarrassed of, that we feel... And obviously we can't leave that to subjective one or two people. There's got to be a, a wide-ranging consensus. Otherwise, you know, some people's you know, personal dislikes will then become dominant. And you know, that, that, that causes some problem. All right. Then Sheikh says, then the one who is eldest, all right? Thummal asan, al-akbaru sinnan. So someone who's 20 is preferred to someone who's 15. And if they are the, uh, 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 and, and the reason for that is the hadith of Malik ibn al-Huwayrith, uh, radiallahu an, in which he said at the end of the hadith, thummal yu'ammakum akbarukuma. In this narration, it says Akbarukum, but I only know of the one which is Akbarukuma. What happened? This hadith is very interesting. Malik ibn Huwayris came from Mecca, comes to the Prophet وسلم, um, uh, with a companion, with a friend for the journey. And they come to study from the Prophet. Actually, this hadith is a very interesting hadith because they kind of come like for a retreat. Yep. And they spend this time with the Prophet Sallallahu and they're both basically on zero knowledge. They want to know about, you know, Allah, Tawheed. They want to know the basic score and then they want to, uh, you know, basically get the, the, uh, the knowledge to a certain level where they can get, you know, do some work with it. And, um, subhanAllah, I forget who the rawi of this hadith is, the narrator of the hadith. I, I can't remember. It might even be Malik himself, but the, the point is, is that after 20 days, so 20 days was like the cutoff, which I find interesting as a, as a, as a, as a period of time, because that's our hajj, basically, yeah? 20 days is our hajj, and I know that, you know, Margaret over there was flagging after 10, but, but yeah, the people like Cam were keeping it going, Rufan uh, keeping it going, like it should be up to 20 days. That's like a legit person, right? So those who flag, Lutz, yeah, after 10 days, yeah? Basically, after 10 days, she was trying to shake people's hands. Yeah, and it, you know, you remember that moment? Yeah, that was, we knew that she was basically waving the white flag. But those who were 20 days in, they were just toasted, just done, wanting to get back to bed. You know what I mean? To our own beds. So the Prophet ﷺ looked at the face of Malik and he could see that he wants, he's missing home. Missing home, like he's reached his level. So he said, so, but he knew that he was shy. He's not going to pull out, right? He's not going to say, you know, that's enough. So the Prophet ﷺ said to him that, you know what, I think you need to get back to your family. Uh, I, think you're, I think you're good. Right? Off you go. Go back. But, uh, so go back, teach, what you, teach them what you've learned. And when it comes to the prayer, let the one who is older of you to lead them. Now what's fascinating about this statement is that the Prophet ﷺ did not know who was older out of the two who had been learning with him. And he also knew that both of them came at zero. Therefore, at 20 days, they were the same. That's the, 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 the interesting part of the hadith. That they basically come at zero, learn together, 
at the same level in terms of amount memorized, understanding, quality, and whatever, and what preference was being given in who should go back and lead the prayer is the one who is elder. And so therefore, we get that, um, uh, we get that idea that the age uh, does play an important uh, uh, role. And, you know, um, obviously, every, and I speak about this a lot in Al Adab Al Mufrad, right? That, that uh, you know, you shouldn't see yourself as a hero if you respect the elderly. I mean, every single culture, even the most destroyed of cultures, yani, even like, you know, those cultures that have forgotten everything to do with values and whatever, respect the elderly. Even from a, just a logic, logical point of view, not a respect point of view, but just a logical point of view that you've gone through more than I have. So by logic, yeah, it means that you know more than I do or you have more experience and so, you know, we'll give you props for that. But those that are faith-based, like Hindus, Sikhs, Jews, Christians, then from a scriptural point of view, whatever their scripture is, whether it's true or not, they consider obviously the elderly to be important. And I always say that that the Muslims need to understand that what was a basic general human right or value, the Muslims turned into a science. So we respect our parents academically. Yeah, and beyond the, so the obvious emotional bond that you have, beyond the obvious kind of debt that you may feel culturally, beyond the financial sums that you calculate. So you, we might, you might come to the age of 20 and sit there and do a sum and you work out that the amount that was spent on nappies and food and care and tutoring and blah, blah, and then loss of earnings that was uh, taken by the parents that, you know, that led you to be, it could be a couple of hundred thousand pounds, right? Easily. And so therefore, a couple of hundred thousand pounds, you realize that I don't have that money right now, so I'm going to repay it in terms of anything that I can do and help and support and commit. To. So that's what's already there. But the Muslims are saying that you've got to go further than that. It's got to become an academic science. You've got to actually break it all down and not just have a general feel of guilt and a general feel of service, but you've got to make sure that you do this, 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 and you've got to make sure that you never, ever do this, 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 and, 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 and. And so just generally when it comes to uh, our family, our elderly, we have a... Um, we have a debt to them. But then the Prophet ﷺ uses a hadith that, uh, that uh, emphasizes this, makes it even more uh, important. The Prophet ﷺ said that he is not from us, uh, he who does not respect our elderly. And some scholars took this hadith to its maximum kind of possible meaning. He is not from us, meaning that that's not the way of the Muslims, right? And some said that it is kufr, obviously, meaning that anyone who does not respect the elderly, not even Muslim. Which is not the meaning of the hadith, because that's, that's making it kufr, that's not the case. It's haram to be disrespectful to, to elderly, not kufr to be disrespectful. So when someone says, laysa uh, minna, that he's not from us, meaning he's not upon our way. That's not our way. And um, this, of course, in our, in our society, needs to be emphasized more and more and more, because... In the society that we're in, age is now irrelevant in terms of people's current culture. They don't look to anyone uh, and respect them because they're older or anything like that. Uh, just it's just not part and parcel of society anymore. Just not important. Um, so, um, so this is only the case, of course, if they are the same in the current uh, in the previous issues, 
right? It's not that, oh, we have a helper here and he, that's the uncle. The uncle's going to get upset, let him lead. No, it's for the Hufada the same in the Hivs and the recitation, they're the same. Let's now go and put them forward, him forward because he is, uh, uh, he is um, uh, older. Then the author says, Thummal Ashraf, the one who is most noble. Now, this is interesting because this is actually officially the Hanbali position. And this is controversial because this is now trying to indicate that the one who should lead the prayer should be the one who's got basically class on his side, lineage, you know, whatever kind of family name that he comes from. And you might say, where well, does such a kind of like a theory comes from? Well, the, uh, the, the idea is that the tribes, uh, all tribes have different values, especially the Arab tribes, especially the tribe of the, um, uh, the tribes of Mecca, especially then the Qurayshi tribe, the Quraysh, especially then Bani Hashim from the Qabila of the Quraysh. Yani there are subcategories. So theoretically what these scholars will say is that the one who has the greatest priority to lead when everything is the same, again, then we start to look at what tribe are you from. And so if he's from the Quraysh, then he gets a, a shot on everybody else. If they're all from Quraysh, then you look at Bani Hashim, which is the, the, the tribe of the Prophet And we say that anyone who's from Bani Hashim, then we put that over all the rest of the other tribes. Now, you might say this is problematic, and the answer is that it is. It is, because that should not be given priority, just the state of your tribe, especially if the others are more pious or more God-fearing or more aware. And, um, and I think that's common sense. And that's the class position. The class position is that actually this is not even to be included. So you might even say, well, why did the author include it? Well, some of the scholars interpreted the statement of the Prophet Sallallahu to uh, 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 the hadith that where the Prophet ﷺ said, "Qaddimu Qurayshan, wala taqaddamuha." Put the uh, this is narrated in a number of books narrated by um, by Abdul Razak al-Sanani in al-Musannaf, and uh, it's translated as, "Put the Quraysh forward and don't precede them. Don't precede them. Don't." You, you know, go in front of them. So how would you say that? Don't, don't, what? don't go before them, yeah. So put them forward, don't go before them. Showing some kind of respect uh, in, in, you know, in this kind of uh, sense. And there are a number of hadith about the Quraysh in this kind of way. But only this one mentions like put them forward and don't you go forward in front of them. Um, that's where they're coming from. What's our response to this? The first one, which is well known, which is that this hadith is weak, alright, this hadith is weak um, and therefore it cannot be used as a, uh, uh, an evidence as Sheikh Uthameen says at the top of page 208 and whenever you have some weakness or some perceived weakness in a chain you're always looking for some supportive evidence and one of the supporting evidences is the ayah of the Quran Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Ya ayyuhal nas inna khalaqnakum min dhakrin wa untha uh, Allah says that, oh people, we have created you from man and woman and we have turned you into tribes and, 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 and peoples so that you can get to nations and tribes so that you can get to know one another. And indeed, the most noble of you is that who fears Allah, not the one who has lineage or has a certain family member 
or whatever. That's what, what the key point here. Inna akramakum, the real karam, the real nobility, according to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is one who has most taqwa. So that cancels out the concept that just by nasab, just by your lineage, you are, uh, uh, you know, put forward. Sheikh Uthameen says, and prayer is an act of worship and it's obedience and you cannot put someone forward that is not deserving according to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then Sheikh Uthameen says a second point that we can say, even if we were to assume that this hadith is authentic, actually this hadith, if it's authentic, does not refer to the salah, but it's referring to, anybody? If it's not yani, referring to the salah, then this is referring to what? Leadership, correct. And not just leadership, but the, 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 the sultan, the amir al-mu'mineen. As sultan al-uzma, meaning like the key president position or the Amir al-Mu'mineen, the leader position. And that is, of course, a position which is held by all four schools. That the Khilafa or the Khalif, يعني, or the Khalifa, he should be from Quraysh. This is a well-established position because there are other hadith which support this as well. And so therefore, this is not referring to the leader, uh, the, the prayer being led, but rather the nation being uh, uh, led. And that's what Shaykh Uthameen says. وَلِهَذَا ذَهَبَ كَثِيرٌ مِنَ الْعُلَمَاءِ and that's why many of the scholars took the position that from the conditions of the Amir al-Mu'mineen for the Amir is that he must be Qurashi, he must be from uh, Quraysh. As for the uh, Imama of the prayer, then this is the Imama to Sughra, this is basic Imama, basic leadership, and there is, uh, and this is not, and this is basic matters, and this hadith does not basically uh, uh, get involved. So therefore, Sheikh Uthameen says, well, therefore the correct position, and that's the class position as well, is that this is to be taken out of the listings entirely. It's not a prerequisite that can be used at all. Okay? Then the one who migrated first. Okay? Um, and that's according to this list. Sheikh Uthameen will revise the order of this list later. Why, did we, why do we use this? Because the Prophet ﷺ actually said in the uh, hadith, and I'm going to now read this out in its entirety so that you get an idea of where this is coming from. The one who is most versed or most best in the recitation, in the book of Allah, lead you. And if they are the same in recitation, then the one who is most knowledgeable of you in the sunnah. And if they are same in the sunnah, then the one who migrated first. From them, the one who migrated first. And if they uh, are the same, they migrated at the same time, then the one who became Muslim first, aqdamuhum silma, yani who was part of, entered into Islam first. There are other narrations or other versions of this hadith replace Islam first with akbaruhum sinna, right? The one who is most elderly, yani which is kind of indicating the same thing. All right. So this is clearly a actual uh, position. Now. Why? 
why would you put the person who does hijrah first? Because they have seen more, experienced more, they're normally practicing first. In actual fact, uh, and, and uh, you know, um, like how is this dealt with in a Muslim country where there is no hijrah and it hasn't happened? You know, what, what, what happens there then? How would this be understood? First of all, is hijrah something that continues? We have a hadith which states that there is no la hijrah about al fath Right? The hadith says that after the conquest of Mecca, there is no hijrah. Meaning that it's done now, that's it. Yet the, uh, the, yet the vast majority of the scholars of this ummah have quoted the uh, super authentic hadith, which says that the uh, hijrah will not stop until the absolute final day, until the sun rises from the west. So the hijrah will continue. The real question is, the real qu- we're just at the bottom of 208, uh, uh, Maryam. Um, the real question is, is that, does this hadith need to be read literally and it has to refer to a geographical kind of, uh, of uh, uh, migration? And I want you to think about uh, those people that uh, are struggling to work out who should lead the prayer and they're in a Muslim country and there's no hijrah going on. What could we say for those folks? What could we say? Think of it in a more holistic way. Reduce this uh, screen uh, thing image so that I see more than just two lines, yeah? Like uh, uh, control minus it. Yeah. No, could, yeah, whatever, yeah. That's fine. Um, anyone? Mm, that's not what I was thinking. No, I was thinking. So, so I, I think I'm not asking the right question. Let me let me say again that if we are in, if we're if, if we're if all Muslims are in, like, if we're just in a Muslim land, no one's made actual any physical migration, right? And um, so, therefore, everyone's equal on the same level. And we want to try and work out who should lead the who should be the imam, who should lead the people. Is there another way that we can apply this hadith to help us see any differentiate? Almost, I don't want to give the answer away, but yeah, well basically, yeah, I was about to say a spiritual way. And Burhan's answered the question, and Salma's got it right as well. Like the hijrah is a representation of a physical act that indicating a spiritual kind of reality. That I'm ready to sacrifice basically everything and leave everyone behind and basically make hijrah to, for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's sake. And um, if you're not able to do that physically, then the other version is the one who started practicing first. The one who made hijrah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yani from their heart. Right? The hijrah to Allah. How would the other person No, this would be... Like, uh, 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 I'll, I'll give you an example of this, how you would know. Um, uh, Sheikh Ihlan is a very good example of this. Uh, Sheikh Ihlan is a scholar. His older brother is also a scholar, right? His eldest brother. But I think even his eldest brother recognizes, and certainly in my opinion, uh, that Sheikh Ihlan, who is like 10 years probably younger, yeah, um, is... Uh, a, a more uh, a better scholar, uh, more knowledge, more knowledge. Yet he will never lead Abu Dawood, yani his uh, elder brother. And I remember many years ago, um, 
And he has great knowledge, his older brother, by the way. Um, and I remember many years ago when I said to him, to Sheikh Ahlan, I said that, like, what's happening here? And is it because of age or whatever? He goes, no, 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 he made the hijrah first. I never forget that statement. Never, ever, ever forgot that statement. He said, when, because he made hijrah first out of our family. And of course, he never went anywhere, right? They were in Iraq at that time. Yani meaning that he was the one who started practicing first, right? The hijrah, in its essence, is um, like, yeah, like Sumaira says, hijrah away from bad environment things within Muslim countries to a more conducive environment to stay firm upon the deen. Exactly that, basically. Hijrah to the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Hijrah to what you're expecting in the Muslim community or country that you've moved to. Which, by the way, if you... Now, we don't want to reinterpret the words of the, of the Prophet sallallahu The Prophet sallallahu did actually mean the physical hijrah. Let me make that super clear. Right? It's not for us to reinterpret the words of hadith. Right? But even the word of the Prophet ﷺ, clearly the intent behind hijrah is that it's a successful hijrah. There can be a person that makes hijrah and it's a complete waste of time. That's what the hadith, the first one you read in all of the uh, uh, books of hadith or in the whatever, what, what is the hadith of, of niyyah? That man yani, makes the hijrah for Allah and his messenger, then his hijrah will be for Allah and his messenger. And whoever's in uh, migration was for a woman, right? So from the outside, it's all about going to that kind of, you know, that land, right? But in actual fact, it's because he wanted to marry a woman there. Then hijratuhu, yani his hijrah will be ma hajra Yani he will be rewarded his intention for what he got. So that shows that even the external act of hijrah can have two very different consequences from an internal point of view. And that when the Prophet ﷺ is talking about hijrah, he means the one who is affected by making hijrah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And by the way, this is not my, my phraseology. I, I taught uh, for Ilm Week many years ago, uh, one of the, uh, uh, a, a small book by Ibn Rajab about the hijrah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is a, a common concept. So I'm not just yani, making this up myself. This is something which I think is important for us to know that the asl, real hijrah, is to make hijrah from that what Allah has commanded us to avoid. That's the first and foremost hijrah that we've got to make. Right? Before you physically go to another country, you've got to create distance between you and haram. So you've got to change your company, you've got to change the places where you uh, go and show. And that, of course, was very simple for us 20, 30 years ago. You just change company. Now the hijrah is far more difficult because the hijrah is from the thing which you love most, use most, it's your phone, right? Your, your people's entire profile of sins is on a single device. It's crazy. Like you'll find Muslim communities and their young and old of them, they don't go no clubbing. They don't go no pubs. They don't go no drinking. They don't go whatever they do, right? They don't go into, you know, every aspect of the, 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 the haram, uh, what's the word? Spectrum, that's what I was looking for. The haram spectrum, which back in our time needed physical actions, is now the spectrum is all within a device. I mean, we used to think it was like the TV, the shaitan, you know? Like, that's like 50-year-old Yani talks now, that is. 
get rid of the shaitan in your room, throw it out. Well, the shaitan, we don't, they don't even know it's there. Nobody even looks at a TV anymore. That's a complete yani, waste of space now, isn't it? Right? It's just all in device, everything's there. So the hijrah is clearly a spiritual discipline and a spiritual uh, process before um, anything physical. And so I want to say here that if, uh, first of all, the hadith is to be applied. The hadith was stated at a time where people were showing the level of their deen, the quality of their deen was very simple. Who is willing to give up everything in Mecca and get out, right? And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, As-sabiqoon, as-sabiqoon. Those that were first, those were that, that were first. Yani, those that did that were the best of the muhajirun, and then those, those who made hijrah, and those that came later were lesser. Yani, it just makes sense. But in an environment where people are not doing that, then I think the spiritual hijrah is the one that we need to focus on. Just something as a reminder for ourselves. And uh, wallahu a'lam. Then, al-atqa. Right? The one who has most taqwa. The one who is most aware of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And taqwa, I don't know whether we've even had an opportunity in all of LP to speak about taqwa, have we? I don't know, but I mean... Um, Taqwa, of course, means to be aware. There's a nice poem here. Uh, uh, Sheikh Uthameen uh, quotes this poet who says, right? يعني, A horrible translation would be, leave your sins, whether they are small or big. That's what taqwa is and conduct yourself like someone who is walking through a thorny field being very careful from everything that he sees you know like you're like when you see thorns it's like you're just on paris right everything you're like and you you know don't belittle the small the small thorn the small Danger, because the mountains are only made from small stones, right? Small stones is what gather together to make bigger stones, which make bigger rocks, which makes a mountain. A mountain is ultimately made from small things. The point being that don't ever belittle or see something as insignificant because it's minor. Nothing is minor when it comes to sin, right? And so therefore, um, and obviously this this poet, this poem or these few lines are taken from a hadith which which uh, was one of the companions who explaining to the other one what actually is taqwa and he said to him imagine if you're walking through thorny fields and you know that your thobe which is flowing is going to catch on it so what do you do you gather your thobe up don't you and you hold it very tight you wrap it up high and then you walk in between sideways and you walk like this and you're, you're looking for every angle and you're, before you take a step, you're looking left, right, which one is the best step to take. You are super paranoid about everything that you do. And that's taqwa. You are super paranoid when you... And paranoid is the right phrase here. Super paranoid about all of the possibilities that your action will have, the consequences that will, will occur when you do what you're about to do. The decision you're about to make, that's taqwa. Someone who is in a great state of uh, uh, caution. And I think that's exactly the modern version, right? Muddy streets with your brand new kicks. You're not going to 
you know, risk them getting, um, you know, getting dirty or whatever. So, um, so in summary, let's finish this uh, uh, section off. Al-ma'ana um, of all of these points, according to our author, he mentioned six. He said the one who is most best in recitation, then the most knowledgeable, then the eldest, then the most noble in terms of lineage, then the one who did the hijrah first, then the one who has taqwa. Six in that order. But the correct position was sahih, which the hadith mentioned is five, not six, and the order being the one who is best in the recitation, most recitation and best in recitation. Second, the most knowledgeable. Third, the one who did the hijrah first. Fourth, um, the one who became Muslim first. And fifth, the one who is eldest. You might say, what happened to taqwa? Taqwa is an assumed state across the board. Taqwa is an assumed state across the board. I like that part. I like that part. Okay, that's good. Right. Um, ثُمَّ مَنْ Imagine there's a person who's now equal in all of these things. So all of these things are, you know, they're equal. They're, they're, they're exactly the same in all of them. What happens then? Then you actually draw lots. Then you do, and drawing lots, by the way, when you say drawing lots, yeah, I'm always very conscious of saying that and people are like having no idea what that means. So, is there anyone that doesn't know what that means? Like what is the, the, what is the age appropriate way to describe drawing lots? Huh? What? Rock, paper, scissors. Rock, paper, scissors. I mean, that's what society would understand, but what is, that, what is rock, paper, scissors doing? Oh. What is rock, paper, scissors doing? No, but what's the process? What, what is drawing locks? Randomly picking something. So there's no phrase that describes why we, people would need to draw lots. When you need to arbitrarily, arbitrarily need to choose uh, something. Anyway, I don't, yeah. I mean, I think everyone gets it, but basically, what is the most common way? Is it rock, paper, scissors? Or is it eeny, meeny, miny, moe? No, 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 no. no nobody is doing it from the 50s like you did. One potato, two potato. What's that? Drawing straws. Drawing a short straw. Drawing a short straw. How many people do that? Nobody. Nobody. Exactly. And even, I, and what if I tell you I've got no idea what casting lots is or drawing lots? What's lots? Picking a name from a hat. Picking a name from a hat. That's, I think, the most common. Easiest, yeah, any understanding? Huh? What are you saying, bro? I mean, Sheikh Uthameen, he basically says that, you know, let's keep it simple. Drawing lots. Maybe drawing lots means that you actually have the the... You actually, uh, you pick the ball that's got the thing on it. Is that not what drawing lots actually is? 
So lots is a, is a phrase for straws? Oh, interesting. Anyway, with Sheikh Uthameen, he says that um, you write on one, in this scenario, there's two people only, obviously, and you've got two papers, and on one you write imam, and the other one you write anything, and then basically he picks it out, and that's what it is. Anyway, let's not get lost on this point. The point is, is that you go to a random process. Whatever your choice is, you use it. Okay? Uh, Sheikh says, what if someone says, um, flip a coin, yeah, flip a coin would work, wouldn't it? It's just two people. Well, it is only two people. Two people. Oh, right, you're right, yeah. Sorry, yeah. There could be more than uh, two people, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, Sheikh says, what's the evidence for this? Because this is, yani, you know, you're about to establish a Islamic worship act, yani, on random selection or whatever the, the phrase, I can't, still can't think of the, the, the phrase. So what's the evidence for it? Is it possible to do that? You tell me. What in Surah Al-Imran? Say it again. Very good. Very good. Yeah. So, and of, actually I'll be covering this ayah this weekend, next weekend in Fitna when we do the tafsir of virtually for Al-Maghrib. But in Surah Al-Imran, verse 44, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells Muhammad sallallahu that this, this is some of the unseen that we reveal to you. وَمَا كُنْتَ لَدَيْهِمْ إِذْ يُلْقُونَ أَقْلَامَهُمْ أَيُّهُمْ يَكْفُلُ مَرْيَمْ You weren't there when they threw their pens into the river to you know, fight for the right to who's going to mentor Maryam. وَمَا كُنْتَ لَدَيْهِمْ إِذْ يَخْتَصِيمُونَ You weren't there when they were arguing amongst themselves. And this is referring to, as Lutz just said, when, uh, because obviously Maryam was like, you know, a throwback to a film, she was the golden child, yeah? And I mean, that was like, you know, she was the future and everything. Everyone recognized it, right? And all of the top rabbis were, were went in. Zakaria salam was clear favorite. But then all of these other, you know, big players pile, pile in. And it was worked out that, listen, we just can't give it to a person. We're going to have to do some kind of system. And so what they did is, as Allah says, they threw their pens into the... Uh, uh, into like the river And what that meant is You see the way that they used to write Was via reed pens You know like uh, bamboo type Yeah So you kind of like hollow it out And you may have a nib and blah. So it floats basically And you just dip it into inks But the itself is whatever And what happens is that When you the, the system there is that They would throw the reed in And what turns round is the one that is the winner, whereas most of them basically go the other, the other direction. So they all threw their, their reeds, reed pens in, and Zakaria salam's his one, is the one that overturned. And so they knew that it was Zakaria that was the uh, chosen one. So this as a process is mentioned in the Qur'an. But of course this is the sharia of the people before us. So is that still valid for us? The answer is yes. Yani when it comes to stories of prophets and the sharia of man qablana, those who are before us, it is shar'un lana as well. It is sharia for us as well, unless something in our religion comes to negate it. 
So that, that's an important rule, by the way. Everything which is established in the Qur'an continues to be part of our deen until we negate it. Like sajda to the parents, for example. Right? That's the most famous example. Something which was part of Sharia, part of uh, the, the permission of the Bani Israel, Yusuf alayhi salam as well, and of, until, Allah, until the Prophet sallallahu prohibited sajda to any single person. Right? So that's like, a, like a, uh, an example. Um, correct? Fozia, correct. Very, very good. So for example, so the second one is uh, in Surah Safat. فَسَاهَمَ فَكَانَ مِنَ الْمُدْحَضِينَ يعني, uh, Yunus السلام, if anyone can remember, uh, it was a disaster basically, onto the ship, everything's going great, then they realize it's overweight, and then it starts to list, and then they start throwing things off, and it's about to sink, so they're going to now have to start to throw people off, and who they're going to throw off, and it's going to be, uh, uh, you know, they, they're going to have to start a process, so they start that process, and Yunus gets chosen and they're like in a shock. How on earth yani, can we throw yani, the best of us off? And then, you know, they did it again. And, this, and the, 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 the number kept coming up for Yunus salam, And they're like, you know, how can we do this? And in the end, he just goes, okay, khalas, I'm off. So he just took one for the team. So there was a process which he allowed to occur and he was actually chosen as part of it. Also, a hadith, as Solange said, uh, the who would get a chance to go with the Prophet ﷺ on a journey, for example, because not all the wives can go. And, for example, the Prophet ﷺ said about the excellence of the adhan and the excellence of being in the front row. If you knew how good and how much you reward you get for being there, you would have drawn lots for it. But because you don't like appreciate the value, so nobody's fighting with one another to get there, right? There's, just everybody just turns up and happy to pray in the second and third row. But if you really knew, then you would do this. And the Prophet can't say you would do this to something which is haram. You know what I'm saying? It's like showing that this is, a, uh, this is an option. All right. Um, then next. So despite all of that being said, we now have our final list. All right. We've said our final list. The one who is the if you are one of these people who is the elder, who has memorized Quran, who is you know, the absolute best at everything, if you go to somebody else's house as a guest, all of it's cancelled out. He leads the prayer. He is in his authority. Why? Because of the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, which is sahih. لَا يُؤَمَّنَّ الرَّجُلُ الرَّجُلَ فِي أَهْلِهِ وَلَا فِي سُلْطَانِهِ That no man leads another man in his home with his family or amongst his family or in his authority. Therefore, the home is the home and the masjid is the authority. What does it mean by the masjid? Basically, Imam al-Ratib, right? That's an official position. It's an official position, official authority that the Imam has. So no Imam can come and suddenly just say, you know, I'm the big man here. I'm the scholar who's come in. I'm going to just take over. That's just something which is not possible. Simple as that. Not something which is allowed. It's not something which is... Uh, 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 not, it's not permissible. Okay? Um, yes. Go on. That's something which is allowed. So we're never talking about um, uh, someone saying, you go ahead. We're talking about a dispute. Right? This is only for disputes. In fact, 
We even have a version of this hadith which ends illa bi except with his permission. But that's a given anyway, because then there's no discussion in the first place. If the, if the for example, the homeowner, he uh, invites, you know, Sheikh Fulan for the sole reason that he wants him to lead the prayer, you know, what's the point of him doing that and, you know, being forced to lead the prayer himself when that's the reason he's brought him? And the masjid one, so the masjid one's a bit more interesting, of course, right? Because the truth is, that's quite a subjective thing. Obviously, the masses, they love a break from their normal imam. They love, yani, the shosha of what... Did we not have someone here yesterday? Is it true? Was he actually here? Right, okay. Yeah, okay. I mean, you know, to be honest, he took advantage that Sheikh Abdul Ghaffar was not here. Because otherwise, if I was here, then I'd have to deal with that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah? Because Abdul Ghaffar is the imam of this masjid. You know what I'm saying? All right? But, you know, how people like a break. People want to hear something different. And I want you just to reflect upon this point. I don't care if you want to hear something different. Sheikh Abdul Ghaffar is the imam of this masjid. You get what I'm trying to say? And it doesn't matter whether the people want to break, hear something nice, something different tone. And that's what they're judging an imam on. And that's not right. It's not right. And we've got to be careful about our sensibilities in that issue. Like, I mean, I, I mean that seriously. Right? I want to remind you and myself that the Prophet ﷺ said that the best uh, of those who recite the Quran, which is relevant here, is one who reminds you most of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? And a lot of the time, there are people who have very, what's the word, man? Very simplistic, naive, maybe. Uh, what's the word? Naive. Uh, simplistic kind of. Uh, 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 their decision making process for who is more religious or who's better or who's the best kind of imam is very simplistic. It's been reduced down to basically musical intonation, right? And, you know, I'm just, you know, I don't want to be quoting names and stuff like that, but in the haram, there's some, you know, some examples of that behavior, you know? And there are some people that, you know, fake cry and things like that. And you just wish that they would just disappear and dissolve into nothing. Destroy, any, you know, destroy the prayer. You just feel like any, you want to go and just kill someone, right? As opposed to someone who proper recites and no fake nonsense and no screaming into the mic and all these dramatics and all this any, theatrics. So anyway, um, yeah. Yeah. So I, by the way, by the way, boys and girls, that's no flipping joke, okay? Lena, Lena, this is what you should be doing when you come. <laughs> oh, there we go. See that? This is like, you know, those people who do dawat, you know, oh, you know, you need to invite yourself. We are going to have fun tonight, guys. Nobody's going to sleep. Amelia, we're, we're staying up. The sugar, yeah, and the rush on this. By the way, two bags. <laughs> Couple of boxes. It's going to be a good night. Right. It's nice when it's after Isha. You know, stress. You know, not having to worry about, you know, can't eat this. Got to pray. Prayer's done. So that's done. No uncles, yeah, and giving us grief. 
Just smash those chocolates. Right, anyway, I'm a rock, by the way. I don't want you to know that always, always, I've got ill from that cold al-bake, you know, I've got ill. Honestly, seven days I ate it, man, cold. Seven days, no time, no nothing, stuck it in the cupboard, now I'm proper sick, you know. Anyway, um, so uh, honestly, I think, uh, uh, sorry, uh, uh, to your point of the, um, if the committee itself, the trustees, they make a decision in the interest of the masjid, I think that's allowed. Because you're about to see now that the scholars all accept that there's an exception. They accept that the exception is the ruler. So if the ruler pops up to your house, he is the ruler of the land. He is in his sultan. The hadith says, Illa, yeah, uh, uh, no man leads another one in his authority. Guess what? He owns the land. He owns the thing. He, you know, that's... that's yeah. MBS would have that right. I mean, you know, don't make me get my head chopped off, bro. Okay, because that's the one guy that doesn't mess about. You know what I'm saying? All the rest, yeah, and he can do all their tapping, whatever. That guy, he actually takes action. So I'm not messing with my guy, yeah? Let, let some yani, lion like her over there, yani, cuss him. I'm not cussing him, okay? So, um, uh, so uh, uh, if the ruler can override uh, smaller authority, then, well, guess what? The trustees also overrule the imam. Right? Actually, Sheikh Uthameen specifically says something. He goes that even in a masjid where the Imam is a great Imam, etc., etc., okay, the Sultan who comes can fire him. That's actually what he says. Therefore, his authority is greater than that authority, and he therefore is an exception to the rule of Sultana, of authority. And that's exactly the same as a trustee. The board of trustees, the board of trustees pay the imam, can fire, can X, can Y. And so I think that they have the right. Obviously, this is not best practice, but we're talking legals, right? Here's an interesting one. Um, here's an interesting one. Sheikh says, what about someone who owns a house and they were renting that house? Who has the... So let's say that you as a landlord went and visit your, your uh, tenant. Yeah? Who leads the prayer? Tenant. All right, hands up for landlord. Hands up for tenant. Okay, so that's interesting. Huh? Yeah, yeah, of course. This is on the assumption that they've all equal in... No, sorry, no. No, it's not on the assumption. Beg your pardon. I made a mistake there. Remember, when it comes to leading in a home... We're saying it doesn't matter whether the other guy is like the, the sheikh of the universe. Right? So no. So the majority said landlord. Sheikh. It's just similar to the example of the sultan though, wouldn't it? Okay. Because you're saying if the sultan is going to come into the land. Yes. In anyone's house. Yep. He's going to leave. Yeah. Yep. So he owns the whole land. He owns the whole land. Similarly with the landlord. Yeah. He, he can kick out the he thingy. It should be, it should be. Let's, what, what does, what does, uh, what does uh, Sheikh Uthameen say? He contradicts himself. That's what he says. He says, if they are combined in the same house, then the tenant is most deserving. 
because لأن المستأجر مالك المنفعة فهو أحق بانتفاعه في هذا البيت so his argument is that the tenant is the one who leads the prayer because he is the owner of the usufruct he is the owner of the tangible what? what's another nicer word than usufruct? Well, he's not the owner of the asset, is he? He is the owner of the... I mean, usufruct is the exact word. I don't know how else to... Like, even like ownership levels, kind of? Yeah, I mean, that's actually what's being said here. Right? The usufruct of the property, meaning the actual tangible benefits of this property, right? is his, right, the tenant, even though technically, well, actually, practically, you know you're wrong anyway. Landlords have got zero power at all. They can't kick that guy out. They can't sell the house. They can, bro, believe, okay. You know what I'm saying? That's, they're like nothing. What, five years later, what kind of authority is that? <laughs> five years later, I spent 50 grand, you know, house trashed by the time you get it. I, I, I mean, I, I get your point. Uh, maybe in a in a in a in a in a country or in a legal system where you know it, it immediately job done, then maybe. But yeah, I, it's, it's interesting what he uh, what he said. Anyway, that's that. I think we can pause there, and we'll take some questions. Um, we'll take some questions uh, here and then online as well. Any comments? Any questions? think we're done here. All right, this is good. We should do this more. Jake, have you ever seen a scenario where it's got to that point where two scholars have actually asked him to scroll up? Never. <laughs> Absolutely never. And that's what I was saying to... So, you know, uh, last week, um, uh, obviously the lesson was in Mecca, and Chief was there, right? And he goes, how are we going to do that? You know, how are we going to, you know, uh, as, uh, in an airport, we were talking about the airport, which is, because normally this doesn't happen except in those kind of scenarios, like an airport, right? Where everyone's looking around who's going to lead the prayer. And what happens? People look to the one who has the longest beard, or who's wearing a hat, or who's wearing Islamic clothing. That's the, the basic uh, whatever. And anybody who's been in that kind of situation knows that often that person is not qualified at all, right? And so he was saying, he was saying that, um, so how is this actually practically done, right? Even when it's needed most, which is at that airport scenario, it's never done. And I said, the, the truth is, the truth of the matter, being someone who's experienced that probably more than anybody else, because it's not just about who's traveled the most and been in most airport situations. But actually, if you've spent most time in a Muslim country, then you know, because this happens in all the, in all the malls, in all the department stores, in the prayer halls, you know, you, everywhere you go, there's a mosque or a musalla, a musalla, I mean, and everybody is looking. And I said, practically what happens is that um, no, normally in that situation, those people take responsibility for themselves. They just go forward. And the rest of the people are so happy that someone just did it that nobody's there arguing. So this is about as theoretical as it gets. 
I agree with you. It does kind of seem a little bit pointless. But I mean, as things go, this is a far more realistic situation than a lot of the other stuff you'll cover in fiqh. Yani, you know, that really is theoretical. Whereas this does theoretically happen possibly here and there. But no, I've never seen it. I've never, I've, I've never seen it. I think that, to be fair, it's not so much about the individuals themselves, but a third party deciding who should go forward. I don't think anybody is like desperate to lead the prayer. Or, or certainly not come across publicly that they want to desperately lead the prayer. This is meant to be more for a third party adjudication kind of, or adjudicate, you know, a body that's making a decision at that moment for whatever reason. I think it's more for them to use as kind of guidelines and uh, uh, thingy. Uh, so is at the top, yes? Yeah? So we go back from the top, yeah? So Fatima, Fitna is going to be taught on, inshallah, the second and third week of January, inshallah. The second and third week of January is the second time it will be taught because I agreed those dates today. That's the dates I have. And this weekend and next weekend. Okay, that's the answer to your question. Would it be permissible? So, yeah, would it be permissible to work as a project manager for a company which makes software specifically to facilitate lending for banks, building societies, and other lending providers? The company is called Fever Software, and on their website it states, Systems and services enhancing all aspects of lending and savings. Um, this question, which is a very common question in Mu'amalat, I work on the cashier desk, I work on, I just sell blah de blah in the bank, I'm a cleaner in the bank, I built the bank, I'm a contractor. You know, this kind of question um, is very common. And the answer to these, these questions uh, depends upon um, mostly the exclusive nature of your role as an individual, your actual job, and then the consequence of your actual job. For example, a software engineer, right, their fundamental job is a permissible halal job. It is software development. It's intrinsically Halal. Vis-a-vis a person who is selling credit cards or uh, selling a loan and promoting a loan and on an interest-bearing loan, that job is intrinsically haram. Its actual nature is haram, right? The first guy, software developing, that as a job is halal and then it becomes haram and halal depending upon what he does with his job. Right, And so when he goes and develops software for the police, it's halal. And he develops for the, for the hospital, it's halal. And then if he develops it for the bank in order to put uh, its alarm system on, okay, then that's a debate. Is that halal or haram? Are you yeah, any, uh, encouraging the promotion of that place? In my opinion, I think that's halal. This comes now down to ishtihad now. Whereas if you are now doing uh, software development for the most easiest way to entice a customer to take out an interest-bearing loan. So you produce a particular software which does some kind of jadu on you basically, right? Like some Apple move. Like Apple is like got to be the most haram thing in history, right? Literally, 
producing products every day that you cannot possibly afford to buy because it's just stupid prices and making you believe that you cannot possibly afford to live without it. It's the greatest sales thing ever in history. It's absolutely ridiculous, right? So imagine whoever's involved in that kind of marketing and whatever, but for a bank and taking loans, then this is haram. There's no doubt about it. You are uh, engaging in sin and transgression, as the ayah says. Ta'awun ala al-ithmi wal udwan. That is not that you are the source of it, you are supporting it, you are cooperating with it. And that's why the majority of the scholars would make that haram. However, I want to add that we're also, we're also I'm, I'm just taking you through the process of how you answer such a question. You also need to then consider that if there's a person whose job is halal, it is contract-based, it is needing some kind of minimum number of contracts per year or per X and the majority of these contracts are halal but every so often a X pops in then we measure X haram contracts versus the others to get an idea of whether the haram work is significant in this line of work or not similar to a taxi driver a taxi driver's job is as halal as it gets. It's driving a car. Okay? The haram part is when that person is doing something haram with the taxi driving. And leaving the... Because there's, there's debates in that as well. This is the most difficult area of Islam, by the way. Mu'amalat of modern day contracts and their nature. So, for example, you would have thought that if you're going down the street and, you know, a couple of girls who are dressed yani, in a haram way say, take us to club so-and-so, right? So it's not even any doubt about what they're going to do and what, you know, like, it's not like um, the opposite would be someone who doesn't look like they're going clubbing and looks very kind of tamiz banda and he says, drop me off at, uh, what was the street bobs of Hacienda that you used to go to? <laughs> <laughs> Nazif, yeah, and remembering his. Nazif, did you just say what is the hacienda? Did you just say that? I actually do believe that Bob's has no idea what the hacienda is. But anyway, they turned it into flats. What a loss! But anyway, um, what 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 was the road called? Anyway, but let's say that this guy who's wearing normal clothes and says, "Can you drop me off at Deansgate, for example?" Yeah. All I remember is not far from Deansgate, that's right. <laughs> so he goes, drop me off at Deansgate. So now the question is, is the taxi driver obliged to ask like, oh, you know, you're not going clubbing, are you? Yeah, or you're not going to XYZ club, right? For him, it's here to there. But the other one telling you, we're going clubbing, we're doing this, we're on the X, we're on the Y. You're like thinking, oh my God, what am I doing here? Right? Now, here's the thing. Do we yani, make this whole miskin guy, who, uh, his whole day, and it's only been 30 quid the whole day, and this is his last fare or whatever, whatnot. This whole thing is haram? Based upon one particular journey out of, you know, how many hundreds which are normal airport drops and XYZ drops and blah. And this is the point that I want to, un I want to understand. There's no single job in the modern world in the modern world that is free from some aspect of haram 
and what needs to be done is this analysis. Is the job itself haram? Because there are jobs that are haram, right? And then if it's not haram, in your non-haram job, how many haram applications and expressions of it exist? And if it's common and regular and variable, then that's a job that is impermissible and you need to move away from it. So I think in answer to that question, I do think it's a problem that the uh, software itself is very, very specific in supporting the lending. Um, I don't think the job itself is uh, haram intrinsically. And so therefore, the way that I would treat this is that if this person is able to uh, do most of the work in halal and forced to do this particular contract, I think that they can participate in that contract in order to protect their job because the job is halal in general and that they should give the earnings of that particular contract away. That that particular contract that they've used, the earnings of that should be given away or percentage of it should be purified accordingly. Wallahu ta'ala a'lam. Um, what if a guest leaves the salah with the homeowner without asking the homeowner's permission because the homeowner is known to be weak in reciting the Quran, makes mistakes, is the jama'ah valid, is the guest sinful? The jama'ah is valid. Let's not yani, go you know, crazy levels. The jama'ah is valid. The prayer is valid. It's whether he sinned or not. And the sin is um, definite. If he didn't ask permission, that he's going directly against the hadith and he's put himself forward. This is incorrect. Now, obviously, if he does that because the other guy cannot fundamentally recite, then maybe there's space for what he did and it was right what he did. But it can't be a subjective decision. It's got to be that he can't say, that he can't say, it's got to be fundamental inability as opposed to just theoretical, I don't like the way he recites or he's got, you know, it's got an accent or something. I don't know. Right. Um, uh, January was uh, January, I think, 11th and the 20th. Like the, the first two weekends is going to be the second teaching of fitna. Last week we said a woman cannot read behind a non-mahram man in isolation. What if there are others in the room? Yep. Example, can my husband lead my sister in congregation if I or someone else is present but not joining in? Or should they still read separately? Um, so that's a bit different. First of all, is the prayer valid? Well, yes, it is because the, there's, there's no khalwa in the room. But it should not become a norm. Or it should not be allowed to become a habit of a non-mahram man leading a woman in isolation. That should not become a norm. So it's not just about is, the, is it halal or is it not because of the room. Well, no, there is no isolation if other people are in the same room. But this is not the done thing. We don't see this from the Salaf. We don't see this from our early Muslims. So we should be avoiding that. Is that it? Are we good? Are we done? All right. Jazakumullah khair. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika. Ashadu an la ilaha illa ant. Wa astaghfirukallahumma wa atubu ilaik. Wa salamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.